could try and tell her what to say, but about I, I don't Biden know if she's listening to uh, pollsters, you got pundits, the labor or, or really anybody movements. else. That's Early right. endorsement. And, and it doesn't sound like they, they mind the strategy too much to have her going out there from Good time idea. to time and, and saying this, defending her family. I would. Um, while the president, as you're saying, why jump into this if, if uh, Donald Trump is taking care of this on his own and uh, causing this is these CNN, by the way. Trump's breaking news. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's a smart thing to do. I think. So good job, Brandon, on that. Mm. By the way, I'm eating this really delicious. Mm. It's kind of like a, a slightly modified thing that my mom used to make when we were <clears throat> staying at my dad's in California. And it's a, it's a come, it's, it's actually pretty, it's filling and it's delicious and it's a, probably pretty good for you because it's, well, it's got spinach in it. So it's spinach and eggs and hamburger. Mm. And then I put a little bit of Thai yellow curry paste in there and that's pretty phenomenal. It tastes great. Oh, with a tortilla too. Steamed tortilla. It tastes kind of like a, um, it tastes like a, dumplings. That's what it tastes like. Anyway, so yeah, it's smart of him of him to get an early endorsement and and the labor unions too. Um, but if it were me, I would have. Uh, double down on uh, free tuition, putting um, back the clock on tuition for students and uh, total amnesty. You know how he's uh, he's getting challenged on by the Republicans, cunts, trying to help students cut down their debt. It's not even, it's just like $10,000, which is just a drop in the bucket. So anyway, I would have doubled down and gotten free, uh, you know, I would have relieved millions of former students of their crippling debt and put tuition back to 1950s levels, so I would be doing a campaign event right now with young people. So, and, and I want to remind everybody, don't let the Democrats craps tell you, corporate Democrats, oh, you know, can't, uh, can't support another candidate. No, um, this is, it's an open primary, which means it's, uh, you know, everybody has an equal chance, except for he's got an advantage, because he's got name recognition, of course, and, uh, you know, the diehard corporate Democrats who are all with him, but, you know, 
uh, I didn't vote for him the first time, and I uh, voted for President Sanders, who would, who should be in his second administration right now, and we would have about a million Americans still alive instead of dead from Trump virus. So yeah, I would be uh, students, young people. I'd have a big fucking concert. Actions for himself. You, you, know, you, you don't need the president to weigh in on that. You're right about that. Uh, all right, Errol Lewis, great to talk to you. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Okay. Well, Jim. All right, thank you. And the cleanup continues in Perryton, Texas on Thursday. An EF3 tornado ripped through the town with winds of 140 miles an hour. At least three people, including a child, were killed. Dozens more were injured earlier. Texas Governor Greg Abbott came to see the devastation for himself. I've seen more tornadoes than I can count. Never seen level of decimation to a town that I've seen today. The people in this area have gone through over the past couple of days something short horrific. CNN's Isabel Rosales was in the room and uh, asked whether the outdoor a warning system, the siren warning system, failed in Perryton. This is what she learned. Hmm. We were under a watch at the moment that they went to a warning. Our people, when they went to activate, we lost power throughout town. Our what? Loss of electricity at the moment. Isabel Rosales joins us now from Perryton. Um, Isabel, did you get any straight answers there? Uh, what are they telling you about the notification about this tornado heading that way? Hey, Jen, this tracks with what I'm hearing from folks here in town who told me that they were caught unaware, that they never, not one of them, heard a, a siren. And, of course, we heard there from the city manager that that's because the moment that it turned from a watch to a warning and they went to slip off the siren system, they lost electricity, and therefore the siren system failed in that moment. Hmm. The folks that I spoke with out here who did know that they were in danger is because wow. that they had uh, weather apps on their phone and they got the notifications that way. It should be Again, a let generator. Let me bring you to what's going Dipshits. on here on the ground in Perryton, and that is really cleanup mode. We can see heavy machinery uh, really moving on to flattening properties, homes, businesses that are beyond repair. They're going to need to remove all of this in order to rebuild. We know that this tornado was on the ground here for 11 minutes and going across the length of over six miles. I do also want to let you know about new information uh, that we got from uh, that press conference as we give you higher vantage point now, uh, a bird's eye view of the damage here in the downtown area, what used to be uh, the bustling heart of Perryton. And that new information is that Governor Abbott assigned, officially signed that declaration uh, uh, notice adding five counties that have been impacted by this tornado. We're also hearing that the general hospital here, the area hospital, treated 160 people with uh, tornado-related injuries in a hospital that only had 25 beds. So they were working around the clock here to give assistance to people who needed help. I also yeah. spoke with uh, I here, bet the somebody who plenty rode of prisons, out the storm though. in their trailer, praying to God that his family would be spared 
His home was a total loss, uh, but there are a few items that received zero damage. Watch. Neither broke. Neither of them broke in this one. What do you think that says? I mean, just faith in God. Yeah, we have in God that God sent us that day. And Jim, it's not just the risk of more severe weather potentially impacting this area that has people concerned, but also the sweltering heat from all of this uh, sunshine right now. Temperatures in Texas 10 to 15 degrees above what's normal. Jim. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, stay cool out there, Isabel. Uh, Isabel Rosales uh, in Texas for us uh, at the scene in Ferryton. By the way, fuck you, Biden, about the Willow Two Project. developments in the federal indictment of former President Donald Trump. Special counsel Jack Smith is now asking the judge overseeing the case to bar Trump and his defense team from publicly disclosing some of the material shared in the criminal case. Smith's team argues sharing these documents with the public could compromise ongoing investigations and identify uncharged individuals. Joining us now is former federal prosecutor Renato Mariotti. Renato, uh, great to see you. Um, you know, this is uh, an unprecedented case, uh, among other things you could say about it. But what do you make of this request for a protective order? Um, and, and what is the signal uh, in terms of whether there may be other potential charges looming? Is that possible in this case? Why do you think that uh, the special counsel team is asking this? Yeah, I think it is very interesting, Jim. Uh, there ordinarily is a protective order focused on the classified material in the case. It's important for viewers to understand this is separate from that. Uh, and really what the prosecutors are looking to protect is potentially, for example, FBI reports that might mention other individuals, other potential charges. I think it could potentially relate to other charges uh, in connection with this. For example, there might be um, others involved in the instruction scheme, whether it's employees of Mar-a-Lago or attorneys or others. But then, of course, there's also uh, January 6th investigation. It's possible that some of the materials that are being produced, uh, like, for example, FBI reports have discussion of what, uh, you know, information was learned from a witness about this case as well as in that other uh, investigation. So we'll have, we don't know for sure, but it's definitely a sign that there's uh, more to come and that the special counsel uh, knows more than, than uh, they are letting out right now. And for the folks at home who are kind of wondering what the process is like, you know, why this is at issue, why would the special counsel need to hand over documents to the Trump team? Well, it's part of the process in this country. You know, one thing constitutional protection we have, Jim, uh, is, is for, due, for a defendant to receive due process of, uh, under the law, uh, they will receive the discovery that the, the, you know, from the government so that they're able to see the potential exhibits in the case, so that they're able to get the information that's in the government's possession that's necessary for them to mount a defense in the case. That's part of the process that we have to ensure that, that someone's treated fairly. So just like any other defendant in the case, Donald Trump and his attorneys are receiving a discovery of the information the government has prior statements of witnesses, for example, if a person's going to testify against uh, the former president, uh, the uh, defense is entitled to any statements that person made to the government, uh, anything that, that could potentially be used as a trial. So there's a lot of information going to the defense, and the government's understandably concerned that some of that information just might get posted through social or <laughs> start getting distributed to news outlets. 
Uh, and so, uh, for, you know, for that reason, they, they have to be careful. And I should note that protective orders are entered in a lot of cases. How about put him in fucking prison or execute him? Uh, people understanding for treason. Um, you know, what they're working on, what other investigations are on the corner. Oh, it's uh, that and uh, potentially mm -hmm. learning about uh, witnesses who are cooperating in multiple cases. Yeah. Execute the terrorists. Uh, the security of these documents is what this case is all about. So I guess it goes without saying. Um, and, and Renato, the United Republican. A judiciary chairman, um, Jim Jordan, he's continued to press Justice Department officials for details on the Trump probe. Yesterday, uh, the Department of Justice said it will not give any information to Jordan because it could compromise the <laughs> counsel's investigations. What more can yeah, what or the should fuck? the Justice Department do? What the fuck do? is he still uh, doing I mean, in I, I Congress? There's not much you can do to satisfy uh, some of some of the folks on the DOJ? side in the House do your and, fucking and how job. they're going after this. But um, is there anything more the DOJ can do? I don't think so, Jim. In fact, I think that uh, what uh, uh, Congressman Jordan is doing is specifically, uh, he knows that this is going to be the result, and I think that's exactly what he wants. He can put his base, perhaps his supporters, and say that the Justice Department is stonewalling him. But in fact, if uh, any member of Congress tried to get information regarding any ongoing criminal investigation, they get the same answer. Uh, for one thing, uh, grand jury investigations in our, in our country are secrets. They're conducted in secret and by law sharing that information uh, actually can subject you to criminal penalties. So that's one issue. Second of all, in the midst of an ongoing prosecution like this one, transmitting information to the public or the elected representatives could potentially prejudice um, the, uh, the, the defense. Uh, for example, I understand that in this case that might not that might not happen, but you don't know what the impacts could be on the trial. Specifically, uh, just as a matter of policy, uh, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't uh, distribute that material. And, and also, just as we talked about a moment ago in terms of a protective order, uh, similarly, uh, in, an, in the midst of an ongoing investigation, uh, the uh, Justice Department has to be concerned about compromising their witnesses or potentially uh, you know, causing somebody who's engaged in wrongdoing to destroy them. Yeah. And, and just very quickly, just uh, last thing, I mean, this has been on my mind all week. Should the public have any expectation that this trial will conclude before the primaries and caucuses get started in January? Or is that unlikely in your view? Yeah, I thought long and hard about that, Jim. I wrote a column in Politico about this subject. I feel pretty strongly that this will not uh, take place before the election uh, for a lot of reasons. And one thing, just when you think of the calendar, uh, it, there's actually very limited time in which this could take place, right? You know, even though the election is in November, it's not like you're going to have the trial in October or September. Uh, yeah. You know, essentially making. So it might not even get started before the primaries and the caucuses. You know, people should just get that yeah, out of the really right You're not going to want to do it in the middle of the season, right? Yeah. There's very limited time for this. We also have another trial that happens. You know, there's, there's also, nah. also plenty of motions that are going to get filed here. And in a case like this one, there's actually the right for interlocutory appeal to make up on appeal immediately. I just think, unless the Trump is insisted on a speedy trial or before the election or not. Hi, Renato. Great to see you. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, all those concerns about interest rate hikes, well, they're on pause, at least for the moment. New inflation data uh, looks pretty positive. Uh, were those predicting an imminent economic crisis wrong? We'll dig into the state of the economy next year live in the San Francisco. Uh. Pennsylvania's governor says the damaged section of I-95 in Philadelphia will be reopened much sooner than expected in two weeks or less. You're looking at a 24-7 live feed of around-the-clock construction efforts. 
This afternoon, President Biden took an aerial tour of the damaged highway alongside the governor, and later he spoke Here, how about, about this? these uh, ABC News Prime, former President Trump addresses supporters following federal arraignment four days ago. ABC News. Lock him the fuck Tonight, up. A defiant former president. I think it's going Donald Trump is fingerprinted, arraigned, and charged with multiple indictments, but that has not stopped him from his White House pursuit as he wages his own defense. Plus, what we are witnessing today is the blatant and unapologetic weaponization of the criminal justice system. Where are the treason and terrorism charges? Trump supporters called for protests in the streets following his indictment, and they were out in force as his own spokesperson came out fighting against what they say is a political attack against the former president. And the seismic shifts Trump's charges are having on the 2024 campaign trail as his own Republican opponents are coming out against him, even as others are promising pardons. Seizes ill-gotten assets and throw him in fucking prison for life. It is a historic prosecution that Donald is calling a persecution. We begin tonight with this poignant moment in American history. A former president in court today facing criminal charges from the very government he was once elected to lead. Today, Trump entered a plea of not guilty to a throwing 37-count criminal indictment traveling to the Miami courthouse alone this afternoon. Trump was seen waving out of the car window. The former president was fingerprinted, but no mugshot was taken. Then, for the first time, Trump came face-to-face -face with special counsel Jack Smith. Magistrate Judge Jonathan Goodman, who oversaw the hearing, ordered Trump not to discuss the case with any witnesses. Outside of the court, there was a festive atmosphere. Most of the hundreds who showed up were there to support Trump, while others were there in protest. What comes next is this historic legal showdown plays out in the middle of the 2024 campaign season. Our team is standing by to break it all down tonight. And we begin with our senior congressional correspondent, Rachel Scott, in Miami. Trump this morning walking to his motorcade at his Doral Resort. The former president riding alone. A brief wave to supporters and a post on social media. On my way to the courthouse, witch hunt. Outside federal court in Miami, a carnival-like atmosphere. Small groups of supporters and opponents. Present, but peaceful. Inside, Trump was arrested. Fingerprinted electronically, but no mug shots, no handcuffs. He was not ordered to empty his pockets. Huh. In the courtroom, the former president found himself just steps away from the man prosecuting him, special counsel Jack Smith, who he has attacked in deeply personal terms. Smith sitting just one row behind Trump. at the former president throughout the hearing, Trump never once looked back. Smith charging Trump with 37 criminal counts, accusing him of illegally keeping sensitive classified documents at his Mar-a-Lago resort in a storage area 
a ballroom, even a bathroom. They allegedly included secrets about United States nuclear programs, potential vulnerabilities of the United States and its allies to military attacks, and plans for possible retaliation in response to a foreign attack. Prosecutors argue Trump tried to obstruct the investigation by suggesting his attorney hide or destroy documents, allegedly asking the lawyer, wouldn't it be better if we just told them we don't have anything here? In court today, Trump sang not one word. His shoulders slumped, his arms crossed, his face stern. His lawyer entering his plea, not guilty. Sitting at the same table as the former president, one of his closest aides, Walt Nada, who has also been charged, allegedly conspiring with his boss to obstruct the investigation. Nasa had Trump's side over the weekend. He rode in the motorcade today. But at the end of the hearing, the magistrate judge ordered Trump not to discuss the case with any potential witnesses, a group that would certainly include Nada. After about an hour in the courthouse, Trump and Nada leaving together, stopping at a Cuban restaurant in Little Havana. Food for everyone. Yeah, just not on you. Forgot to mention. We'll be seeing a lot more of him for sure. Rachel Scott. Huh. Typical fucking fraud. Said you forgot to mention that he said food for everyone, but he didn't pay. from Miami. Rachel, you were inside that courtroom today. We only have the sketches, but I have to imagine that it was quite a striking scene for you to witness with your own eyes. It was unprecedented, Lindsay. We have never seen anything like this before. And one thing that was striking, the special counsel, Jack Smith, repeatedly glancing over at former President Donald Trump. Trump never once turned around to look back at him. The former president did not utter a single word, but he did not have to. His arms were crossed, his shoulders were slumped. He had to wait about 15 minutes for the judge to start today's arraignment. At times, he appeared restless, even visiting with his hands. One thing was very clear. Trump was ready to get this all over with and get back to his 2024 campaign, Lindsay. Rachel Scott, our thanks to you. And now let's get right to ABC senior investigative reporter Aaron Katursky. Aaron, what are the next steps for Trump here? Imagine the judge will set one soon to start Should be in pre-trial incarceration. Arguments. You could imagine former President Trump's legal team is already thinking about motions to dismiss the case or diminish the charges. Yeah, good Maybe luck. throw out certain yeah, evidence. Yeah. Uh, we'll also see what the judge decides to do. Yeah, yeah. What a burn, what a cut. Stick your finger up your butts. North of here, where she usually is based. So there's all sorts of different imaginations. But it's unlikely, Lindsay, we're going to see former President Trump in this courthouse again anytime soon, maybe not until trial, assuming the case gets that far. And Aaron, today uh -huh. Trump has also dealt a second legal blow. What are the details on that? 
really Fucking stunning because it really underscores, chair. Lindsay, just how many legal entanglements the former president is facing. As he was being arraigned on the indictment here in Miami, a federal judge in New York allowed E. Jean Carroll to amend an existing defamation lawsuit to include more comments that Trump made that were allegedly disparaging to her. These comments came after a jury found Trump liable of sexually assaulting Carol back in the 1990s. He went on CNN, he went online, he made all these remarks, and now her lawsuit is going to include those remarks and seek $10 million in damages. So as he's fighting a criminal case, he also has civil lawsuits to tend to as well, Lindsay. Aaron Katursky, our thanks to you as always. We turn now to ABC senior justice correspondent Pierre Thomas. And Pierre, special counsel Jack Smith didn't have to be in the courtroom today. This was a choice. There he was, seated one row behind Donald Trump. What does that signal? Dramatic move. Uh -huh. He clearly wanted to indicate to the president, I'm here. I'm the person who personally brought this case against you, and I stand by it. He also was making a statement to his staff. I support you. It's a long road ahead. You have a case to prosecute. There could be threats involved. But all of this, I support you as well. By all accounts, we've heard that Trump was stoic, obviously didn't utter a word inside that courtroom. Are you getting a sense that he really realizes the the seriousness of, of these charges? Listen, I don't know how he could he faces decades in prison if convicted. We're talking about 37 counts 400 here. 400 years. Uh, as his legal threats go, this is the most serious case that he faces, period. These are federal cases, federal felonies, and we have a situation... This case is brought by the best, some of the best investigators at the FBI and by the Department of Justice. The full weight of the Department of Justice. Our senior justice correspondent, Pierre yeah. Thomas, our thanks to you as always. Good to have you in studio. Pleasure. And now let's head back to Miami where Victor Akendo is at the iconic Cuban restaurant Versailles. Victor Trump headed straight there right after his arraignment. How big of a political power play was this for him? Lindsay, this is the most well-known Cuban restaurant in Miami. For political candidates, it is a must-stop. This place has been in business for over 50 years. Typically, what you'll see is they'll come by here to this window, La Ventanita, and they'll place an order of Cuban coffee and some pastries. But it's also in the heart of the Cuban exile community. So a little loud around here, as you can tell. It's a logical stopping point for the former president. He had a lot of supporters here to greet him. And at one point, a group of them even formed a prayer circle around him. Aside from that, what's the atmosphere there like now, hours after his departure? Yeah, Lindsay, for the most part, I'd say it is back to business as usual here at Versailles, focusing on their dinner rush. But I should mention that as political as campaign season really ramps up here, it's really just a matter of time until another candidate stops by here. Lindsay? And just curious, Victor, have you gotten a chance to talk to anybody who was there when Trump was there? And were they excited? How did they describe the atmosphere? Yeah, I can tell you they were definitely excited, which is the same thing that we saw when we were outside of the federal courthouse today. The atmosphere there felt more like a rally, which is pretty surprising given the severity of what was happening inside. Here, I can tell you that those who are still here when the president, former president came by, they were just excited to see him, thrilled to have a moment with the former president. Lindsay? Really interesting there. All right, Victor Akendo, our thanks to you.
And let's head now to Mary Bruce, watching this all play out all day long from the White House. Mary, the White House didn't make Terrible. any comments when the arraignment came out. Have they said anything today? They need to. No. They need to the mention that out of his he didn't pay anybody on this repeatedly today, ignoring food. reporters shouted questions on this. The president is well aware that Trump and his supporters are trying to claim that this is all politically motivated, and Biden, we are told, wants to protect the independence of the Justice Department, fearful that if he weighs in in one way or another that it could be construed as him somehow trying to influence this and cause some to question the integrity of the investigation, Lindsay. But despite the president staying silent, his wife, First Lady Dr. Jill Biden, did make some remarks. What did she have to say? Yeah, the First Lady is weighing in. She was speaking behind closed doors at a private fundraiser in New York last night, and she said she thinks it's a little shocking that Republicans don't seem to care about the indictment. She was referencing recent polling that shows that Trump supporters are not wavering here. It is perhaps a sign Weird. that the Biden campaign is frustrated about all of this for sure. But the big question now, Lindsay, is just how long can Biden and his campaign stay silent on this, and when will they go on the attack? Lindsay. Mary Bruce from the White House. Yeah, Force. come Thanks on, so much, don't Mary. be such fucking Thank pussies. You. For more on this, let's bring in ABC News contributor and former another, FBI agent Asha Another thing Rangapa, I hate about Biden. Assistant Dean at Yale's Jackson School of Global Affairs. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, looking at these charges, I, I just want you to give us a sense of how strong of a case the Justice Department has laid out in their 37-count indictment, keeping in mind that former U.S. Attorney General uh, William Barr called it an egregious obstruction, even if half of it is true, he said, he is toast, uh -huh. very, very damning. Uh -huh. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a very strong indictment. So on the Espionage, uh, Espionage Act charges, uh, the 31 documents that are each one count uh, for p each document that's in there, you know, that has to be national defense information. That is a part of the violation to willfully retain that and not give it up when an official comes and asks for it. And we see that this is clearly national defense information. It's nuclear secrets. It's our military strategy. So I think that part they definitely have down. On the obstruction and false statements, they have very hard evidence. They have audio tapes. They have text messages. They have photographs that will all come to, you know, going to the intent to conceal and prevent the FBI from getting this. This really gets to the heart of the obstruction because the hardest element to prove there is the intent. And here you have it in words and recordings. And you really touched on, on this, but I'd like you to go a little further, put like a little bit of a sharper point on it. When we look at the types of classified documents at the center of these charges, how significant is it that so many of these documents are related to military matters and even uh, about nuclear weapons? How does that impact the case? It impacts the case not only Be because it meet, they meet the elements of the crime, it's clearly national defense information, but it's also going to be compelling to a jury. What Jack Smith has done is taken really sensitive documents. These aren't, you know, confidential documents that people might wonder, hey, why is this classified? A jury will understand why these had to be protected, what risk was there by, you know, putting them out there so cavalierly, by not returning them to the government. So there is, I think, a jury appeal uh, to the particular documents. I'll add that there were 13 top secret documents that were recovered in this whole uh, saga that Let's weren't bring used. Back and the I think guillotine it's important to him. emphasize that... They weren't used likely because they couldn't risk disclosing <laughs> them in the course of a trial in any way, which means that the sensitivity of the items that were at Mar-a-Lago was likely even greater 
than what we see in the indictment itself. That's really interesting to note there. And let's talk about one specific piece of evidence, and that's the audio recording of the former president talking about some of those classified documents in his possession, where he reportedly says, as president, I could have declassified it. Now I can't, you know, but this is still a secret. Is that a potential smoking gun? It's a smoking gun in terms of undercutting or you know, dismissing the kinds of defenses that Trump will want to make and that we've seen him make in the court of public opinion. So one is, for example, that he had nothing to do with the packing of these documents, that he had nothing, he didn't know what was there, that, you know, he's the former president of the United States. There's a lot of people who do this. This shows that he knew he possessed classified information. The second defense we've seen him trot out is that he declassified these before he left, that somehow magically he, he did this on his own without telling anyone. Well, this audio recording suggests that he knows that these are still classified, that he had he did not classify them, and that he understands that there was a procedure that needed to be followed in order to declassify it. So this really uh, cabins the kinds of defenses that I think he's going to make, which is why the special counsel included that recording in the indictment. Uh, we know that dozens of former Trump aides, as well as Secret Service agents, have testified before the grand jury. What does that tell us about the scope of information that the special prosecutor has been gathering about the former president's handling of those classified documents? Well, the special counsel is going to have a number of people who are around President Trump every day. The, the Secret Service follows him around. In many ways, you know, he's basically had federal law enforcement officers watching him potentially commit federal crimes that now are duty bound by their role to have to provide this. You know, these aren't people who can uh, litigate and stonewall. This is a part of their job to testify, to uh, report crimes that they see. And so the special counsel is going to have a lot of credible evidence. But I think also the compelling evidence here is just the receipts in terms of the text exchanges and in the lawyer notes from his own from Trump's own lawyers, which documented Trump's attempts to stonewall and try to hide the documents from the FBI and the Department of Justice. I'm not All of this together is going to be incredibly damning. Security uh, given that so many people are, are paying attention to this timeline because of, uh, he's still the top contender on the Republican side of, for the 2024 presidential campaign, give us a sense of what you can expect timing-wise and, and as far as the strategy on both sides as this case moves forward. Yes, I would think of this as the end of one journey and the beginning of another. We're used to watching Law and Order, where we go from investigation to conviction in an hour, and that's just not how it works. The investigation phase has ended, but the trial phase, or the this phase until trial, is going to take a long time. Not only because of the pretrial motions that were mentioned previously by uh, Aaron, but also because this is a national security case, so it's going to involve a statute called the Classified Information Procedure. Procedures Act, SEPA. And this involves a lot of back and forth about how to treat the classified information in terms of disclosing it and turning it over to the defendant. This is a public trial. The defendant is entitled to have the defense, uh, the, the evidence against him. And of course, this gets complicated, this tension between defendants' rights and national security in this type of case. So that itself will take a lot of pretrial motions. And I I suspect that this trial will not start until well into the campaign season. It's not clear to me whether it would even start or be concluded before the election.
Wow. All right. Ashurangapa, our thanks to you for your insight and knowledge on all of this. We appreciate it. And now let's bring in former Republican Congresswoman Barbara Comstock. She joins us now for reaction to today's charges. Uh, this day has been predicted for some time now, but now that it's happened, what's your reaction? Well, Deep I, you know, it's, certainly, it's something, you know, with Donald Trump, you know, you sort of define deviancy down, so nothing surprises you. But I do think you're starting to see Republicans, particularly some of those on the campaign trail, certainly uh, Chris Christie, Asa Hutchison, but also, um, you know, you saw Tim Scott separate themselves from defending Trump in, in some ways. And you saw, also saw Senate Republicans say they, they weren't going to defend it and that these were serious uh, charges. So, and then you also saw people, you know, even those usual defenders, say on Fox News, uh, Britt Hume, uh, Jonathan Turley, who is one of those uh, legal defenders of Donald Trump, usually, who said, no, we can't uh, defend this. And certainly, former Attorney General Bill Barr has been very vociferous in saying this is indefensible and that he thought Donald Trump is toast. So, I do think you're seeing Republican voices. Uh, starting to separate themselves from defending Donald Trump, uh, even though you do have many House members defending them, I do think they're more and more moving away. And as more of the details come forward, I think you may see more of that. Well, I, I'm curious to really follow up on that because of two uh, numbers that we have here. When we look at should Trump have been charged, 48 percent so we're talking about nearly half of those who were polled said yes, right? But then when you look at the question of are those charges politically motivated, again, nearly half of people, so 47 percent. I'm curious when you talk That's about because Republicans of the Republican who are messaging. Uh, moving away from Donald Trump. I mean, for nearly half of the people fucking polled Democrats to say that they think that this was politically spineless. motivated. They should be at, I don't out know of that office. That jives all, with the idea that all Republicans the Republicans who took away. part in January 6th. Well, I think these days all of these things are seen as political. You know, you still have Republicans who think this isn't fair because they want to say, you know, why wasn't Hillary Clinton charged or why it isn't Joe Biden charged? What about but I do think because of the particular charges here. Listen, I worked with Evan Corcoran, the lawyer here that Donald Trump tried to get to lie, basically, about these documents. The lawyer who, you know, as you read this and see that he... Charged... Face prosecution. Fourteenth Amendment. First, he tried to get him to hide the documents and, you know, participate in this fraud with him. And when Evan, who I know to be a good person, said, no, I won't um, participate in this, then he you know, Donald Trump then participated in this fraud and hid the documents from Evan so that Evan couldn't find them. And then, you know, he was trying to get 
Evan or other lawyers to certify that the documents, you know, all had been gone through. So I think as you as people find these kind of facts out, it does become difficult for Republicans to defend that type of behavior, which is very unique. Now, that doesn't mean they don't think that it's partisan, but I do think this particular fact pattern because, you know, when you delve into it and get that kind of detail, realize that Donald Trump's own lawyer is that that's the person who's testifying against him. And when you realize, you know, again and again, the lawyers who work for Donald Trump, just like in the past, his campaign managers, his own family, people, you know, who, you know, who had to testify against him, you know, on January 6th matters, you realize that, you know, Donald Trump engages in a lot of indefensible behavior. Former Republican Congresswoman Barbara Comstock, we thank yeah. you so much for your time. Exactly. Always appreciate you coming on the show. Indefensible. And joining us now for more is Republican presidential hopeful and former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson. Governor, thanks so much for your time tonight. Uh, it's good to be with you. Thank you. So you're a former federal prosecutor. Obviously, this is unprecedented case as we continue to describe it that way. Uh, you've now had the opportunity to read the indictment. Do you think that federal prosecutors have a strong case? I do. Uh, whenever you look at the specificity that's laid out in the indictment, it's a very strong case. Obviously, uh, this is going to have to be tried. You've got to prove all of that. But as Bill Barr said, if if half of that is proved, uh, then it's a very devastating case that's being presented against the former president. I'm very pleased that there's been more Republican leaders step up and say, this is serious. We're not going to dismiss this lightly, particularly when you have service men and women that are held to, a, to the same standard and are held accountable if they violate that. And so this is a, a serious matter, both uh, from the, for the criminal justice system, but also for uh, selecting the future leader of the country. And so I'm delighted that more uh, leaders are showing courage and saying this is serious and we should not dismiss it lightly. Do you have any idea if this case would have the likelihood that it would be decided before the 2024 election or, or before the primary season? Well, I've actually uh, tried cases in which uh, classified information was involved, and it does have a level of complexity because you have to have the clearances, you have to have the protection as you exchange uh, the information as you get ready for trial. And so it is more complex than, than normal. But I hope that uh, the judges and the courts understand that you have to be fair to the Senate, give them uh, the right to prepare, but at the same time there's extraordinary public interest for our nation in getting this issue resolved in a timely fashion. The Speedy Trial Act applies not just to protect the defendant, but it also applies to give the public uh, protection and assurance that justice is not going to be delayed. And so uh, I think that it's going to continue through the campaign season. Uh, you're going to be looking at debates in August. You're going to be looking at primaries next year. And uh, former President Trump is likely to have court appearances during that time. It'll be interesting to see whether the, the court's trying to accommodate his campaign schedule or whether they're going to insist upon compliance with the court schedule in a timely hearing of this case. Uh, what do you think about some of the, the fellow Republicans who are also running for president uh, who are promising pardons uh, for, for President Trump, former President Trump? It, do you feel that that's appropriate? It is wrong, 
Uh, it is unjustified. It is a bad precedent. Uh, they're politically pandering uh, to get votes using the federal pardon powers. So no, it incenses me as somebody who's had to use the pardon power as governor and respects that power as president, and you don't use it as a campaign uh, wedge issue or a campaign tool. So I'm offended by that. Campaign as tool. someone who loves our justice system in America, and it's wrong uh, for candidates to be promising that, whether it's to a former president or whether it's to an average Joe that's out there, and you just don't do that during a campaign. I want our candidates sure to they show do. more courage and to speak out about this and provide leadership. Trump currently, Good as luck. you well know, remains the front runner for the 2024 nomination on the Republican side. You've called out, uh, called on him to drop out of the race. Uh, that does not appear that that would be likely at all. But would you support him? No, that's his try to attempt to get well, out of jail free. Somebody who's convicted of a felony, particularly one as how about countless felonies? A million felonies. should be in our national character and the high regard that we have for our military and those that collect these secrets. And so uh, we'll see how the debate develops uh, and how the case develops. Uh, and I'm not going to be supporting somebody who is convicted or who has uh, wrongfully uh, handled uh, material Flush that jeopardizes the security of the United States. Governor, is that to say that you would support him? Put him against if the wall. Not convicted. Well, I don't expect him to be the nominee, and I want to be on the public execution today, so, so we can that, all make uh, sure be, that he's uh, fucking dead. This language to assure that uh, there's not going to be a circumstance that we're bound to support somebody who is convicted of a very serious felony that uh, violates the. Uh, a high office of president and the handling of classified material. Yeah, That's he's a fucking traitor. Country Benedict no Arnold. candidate should take that lightly. So let's see how that develops. Uh, but I want to be on that debate stage, and I hope there's that opportunity. We've also got to have 40,000 donors. And so I hope everybody goes to aceof2024.com. Helps me to get on that debate stage. Just want to take one more swing at it, Governor. You would consider, if he's not convicted, supporting him. Uh, I want to look at what we have to do, what the language of that is. I haven't seen the language of the plan yet, so that's still under negotiation. It's more likely and to be uh, to shoot Jeff Smith. The stage, but there's They're not checking his pockets. Uh, there are at least 12 candidates currently in the race. Are you worried that this is 2016 all over again, too many candidates, and that your participation in the race would only allow Trump to, to become the nominee should you drop out? Well, uh, people understand who Donald Trump is. Uh, I think the fact that there's uh, 11 other candidates in the race reflects that uh, there's a lot of leaders that want a different nominee than Donald Trump, and we want to beat Joe Biden, and he's not the right one to do it. So. There's almost a unanimity uh, in that message. Uh, as far as the number, that's going to sort out uh, over time. That's what Iowa sorts out. That's what New Hampshire does. As I talk to the voters in New Hampshire most recently, uh, they're telling me this is serious. Uh, they believe that it is uh, political and a double standard here, but they also treat it as very serious and something that uh, they're not taking lightly and will be a factor as they make their decision uh, going into the uh, primary and caucus season.
presidential hopeful and governor Asa Hutchins, and we thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate yeah. you coming on the show. Uh, thank you. Good to be with you. The father of now uh, bring in ABC's Jonathan Fuckabee. who's reported on Donald Trump since he first ran uh, for the White House back in 2000. Fuckabee, Sarah Fuckabee. Whenever you're here, though, it is not just a signed into the law of child labor. They want to traffic children and put them to work. Fucking disgusting pigs. Well, to a degree, right? I mean, playbook in the sense that, you know, he quickly wants to pivot a moment, but not classic in the sense that those are stocks he doesn't typically enjoy. He doesn't like doing the glad handing, doesn't love going to the He's dining restaurants or things like that. Um, I remember the first time that he did it in 2000. It's like a Nazi, typical Nazi. What am I supposed to do? I mean, he's not comfortable in those moments. Um, but clearly, though, as we vote for everyone, he wants to very quickly. They don't pay. Case, right? Delay this case uh, as much as humanly possible. Jokes on you, motherfuckers. And really, the campaign right? is Babies? going to be that this is a case that's being built, though against him, he's going to say they're doing it to come at his supporters. And you obviously have a direct line to the Trump uh, ensemble there. What are you hearing with regard to his response to today's charges? You know, the word everybody keeps using with me is defiant. Um, <laughs> they, they say he's calm. How about uh, insolent? Actually, that trip's put him in a good mood. He was bullied by the fact there were some people there cheering his name. We know he loves uh, that adulation part of things. Yeah, um, of course. But, you know, I think those, the imagery that our colleagues Olivia Rubin and Rachel Scott described from court, you know, we know that they love Donald Trump. You know, Donald Trump's body language is very revealing. Him sitting there, arms crossed, not looking around, the tenseness of it all. It, it plays right into what I've been hearing, which is fits of anger for the last couple of days. These charges weighing on him, reading through that indictment, seeing how many people told the story that ultimately got Donald Trump charged, including Donald Trump. John Tancucci, always appreciate your wisdom and insight. Thank you very much. I focus. And we still have much more to get to here on Prime tonight. Coming up, nearly two dozen troops injured overseas. We'll tell you where. The next target field Probably because of the security lapses. We update you on our nation's inflation. Because of the fucking ex-president sharing and selling national secrets. Here in Kentucky, no match for the tornado from Monterey Park, California, on the ground. Campaign trail from Patmanzu Nepal. Truckee, California, covering. With so much at stake, so much on the line. That he retained after he left office. That includes 31 charges for the willful retention of national defense information, charged for sneak secret or top secret classified documents that uh -huh. is the focus of the investigation. He also faces three separate charges related to withholding or concealing a document, and another three charges for conspiracy to obstruct justice, a scheme to conceal and false statements and representations. The unauthorized retention of national defense information falls under part of the Espionage Act, a 1917 federal anti-spying law passed shortly after the U.S. entered World War I. It has most frequently been used in recent years for the prosecution of government employees for leaking national security secrets, such as the 2013 charges against Edward Snowden and Chelsea Manning were sentenced to 35 years for the leaking of classified information to WikiLeaks, although her sentence was later commuted by former President Obama. As for Trump, Julian the Assange. punishment for each count of Can a we free Julian Assange yet? 
10 years in prison. Well, some of the obstruction and concealing evidence charges can carry punishments of up to 20 years each, but experts say that federal defendants are rarely given the maximum punishment. And we should note that today's federal indictment comes after Trump was indicted in April on 34 counts in New York related to alleged hush money payments to porn star Stormy Daniels, which was the first time a former president had ever been indicted. And we still have yeah, more ask reality winner time. what she Mother thinks. race against time to help a desperate mother save her daughter. And we tell you about the latest scam that has one state's attorney general sounding the alarm. What does it take to be America's number one news? It takes asking the straightforward tough questions. It ain't CNN, that's for damn sure. Dramatic body camera video shows Utah police officers rescuing a 12-year-old girl who is trapped in a car underwater. She's trying? Hey, take your boots off. We're doing this. Hey, the video shows Tooele cops arriving where witnesses were screaming for help. The officers are seen taking their boots off before going into the water. Though much of the rescue isn't seen, officers are heard shooting into the car in order to get inside. Officers pulled the girl out and performed CPR before she was taken to the hospital. KTVX reports that she was in stable condition. Sentencing has been delayed for rapper Tory Lanez and the shooting of Megan Thee Stallion. The sentencing hearing was originally scheduled for today. Shooting of Megan Thee Stallion. After Lanez's defense team filed a motion for continuance, which was granted. Lanez was convicted last year on multiple felony charges for shooting and injuring Megan Thee Stallion in July wow. 2020. He faces up to 22 years and eight Holy months. Holy shit. I never heard about that. A voluntary recall has been issued on large bags of frozen fruit sold at Costco over hepatitis A concerns. Wawona Frozen Foods issued the recall, which includes packages of the company's organic daybreak blend distributed between April and June 2022. A notice on the FDA website said those packages contain strawberries grown in Mexico that may have the potential to be contaminated by hepatitis A. The products were sold How the in fuck Costco is it contaminated with hepatitis states. A? Wawona Frozen Foods said the recall was out of an abundance of caution and that no illnesses had been reported. A police chase for a carjacking suspect ended at a Easter school. Police said officers were pursuing a suspect who carjacked a vehicle and eventually caused a rollover crash when he collided with another vehicle. The suspect then allegedly fled on foot to the Harmony School campus nearby. The school, which was hosting summer classes at the time, went into secure mode. An official said the suspect was detained within 10 minutes with all students and staff safe. Olympic gold medal sprinter Tori Bowie died from childbirth complications, says the autopsy. The Associated Press says the medical examiner's report found Bowie was an estimated eight months pregnant and showing signs of labor at the time of her death and may have had respiratory complications and seizures. Bowie was found dead May 2nd. She was 32. She won gold, silver, and bronze medals at the 2016 Summer Olympic Games. Holy shit. New music from the Beatles is on the horizon. Yeah, those Beatles. We were able to take John's voice and get it pure through this AI. <laughs> then we could mix the record as you wow. would normally do.
In an interview with BBC Radio, Paul McCartney said that artificial intelligence allowed him to produce what he called the final Beatles record, more than wow. five decades after the iconic group originally split. He said the technology was used to extricate the late John Lennon's voice from an old demo. The song is expected to be released later this year. That's fucking rad. Identity theft is on the rise, and the Attorney General's office in Chicago says they've seen a huge increase in cases, specifically unemployment insurance fraud, one of the fastest-growing problems. Here's our Alex Perez. Yeah, like George Santos. I was surprised and concerned. Ed Dudley says he was in disbelief when he received at least five of these letters stating he had applied for unemployment benefits. <laughs> I hadn't filed an unemployment claim. When the first one came, I thought perhaps it was just a one-off. But then, not too long after, after that, I received uh, yet another email. Dudley, who lives in the Chicago suburbs, says most of the claims under his name were denied. He says he did receive an email saying at least one claim was processed to an unknown bank account for more than $800. This type of identity theft is so rampant. Our Chicago station WLS reporter Jason Knowles and the ABC 7i team have heard from hundreds of local people who say they are also victims of unemployment fraud. The Illinois AG's office says the scam varies, but here's one way they say these criminals are preying on the unsuspecting. A scammer gets your personal info through places like the dark web. They then file an unemployment claim using that info and tie the claim to a bank account the scammer can access. Suddenly, you're getting an email or letter in the mail that says you've applied for unemployment insurance, but you never did. These scams are so rampant, even Illinois Attorney General Kwame Raoul was targeted. I was <laughs> the victim of it myself, where I received a debit card in <laughs> the mail as a result of somebody filing for unemployment benefits in my name. In A.G. Raoul's <laughs> case, he believes the scammers were trying to change the mailing address to get the funds sent to themselves, but failed. In a lot of cases, sometimes it's a small-time actors on a local level, but sometimes it's international actors, so it's difficult to, to crack sometimes. But uh, we've been successful in, 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 in some cases. Ed Dudley says he was never able to figure out how exactly his identity was stolen, but hopes by coming forward he can motivate others to better protect their information and avoid falling victim. Our thanks to Alex Perez, and if this happens to you, to help Good protect yourself, the Department of Labor says that you should monitor your credit report and sign up for identity theft alerts in case thieves use your information against you in other ways, like opening up credit cards. And the U.S. Postal Inspection Service says to report the fraud Otherwise, it could impact you if you need to file for unemployment. And we learned today Pulitzer Prize-winning author Cormac McCarthy has died. The best-selling author known for such titles as All the Pretty Horses, No Country for Old Men, and The Road was widely regarded as one of the greatest writers in American history. Cormac McCarthy was 89. ABC senior national correspondent Terry Moran joins us now. And Terry, we now have a twice-indicted former president of the United States. Give us a sense of the historic nature that played out yet again today. Unprecedented, Lindsay. That's the word that kept coming up that everyone was using because it's right. Uh, we've never seen anything like this in American history. But that's in part because we've never seen anything like Donald Trump. Uh, he is the most dominant figure in American politics. He... Uh, the whole political discussion revolves around Donald Trump. And, and he about loves what that he shit. Said, but we haven't seen anything like him 
Malignant narcissist, that is. Psychopath. Don't take my word for Hitler lover. Form his own administration say that. And the combination of his towering influence in American politics, tens of millions of Republicans, you know, will go uh, lie down in traffic for him. Uh, and these character flaws that, that, end, that land him in so much trouble, this time criminal charges in a federal court. We've never seen anything like that. We're in uncharted waters, for sure. I want to just look at an ABC News Washington Post poll that found that uh, when people were asked if Trump should suspend his campaign, 46% said that he should. So uh, we're talking about nearly half said that huh. they should. Uh, 38% That's his only that way to try to get out of jail free card. 16% uh, said that they didn't know. I wanted to pick up on a point that you said earlier today, Terry. You talked about how he's making this personal.